Today is a special day in our church calendar. In a sense, it's a day that makes sense for us who believe in Jesus, God, and man. It's a day in which God the Father kisses us, embraces us, holds on to us, and speaks to us through his dear Son. What is this day? He takes three of his apostles, Peter, James, and John, and he goes up to a mountainside, Mount Tabor. And right now, we were there two years ago, there is a shrine there, and there's a stone. It's probably man-made, but it's traditional that the stone has two footprints in it, and the footprints are attributed to Jesus' feet before he ascended and before he met them in this transfigured moment. What was it like? Well, it wasn't there. The apostles try to catch it, and they say he was transfigured. He was turned inside out before. His face was as bright as the sun. His clothing was like snow. They try to capture something, but what they were going after was something very simple. God the Father's way of embracing all of us. And really, we know he was born in Bethlehem, we know he died on the cross, we know the resurrection, all that wonderful stuff about Jesus. But this day, he comes to us through Peter, James, and John and embraces us and whispers in our ear what it's all about. That he, Jesus, is the Son of the Father, and the Father wants him to be heard by you and me as we proclaim him in our lives. Where did this come from? Well, as we search the scriptures, we realize that the book of Daniel, the first reading, was very powerful, but it's a, it's a vision. It took place in heaven. I wasn't there, so you have to take my word for it. And it's from the book of Daniel that this, this happens. God is speaking to Daniel, the great prophet, and trying to get across to him in his humanity what God is all about. And it's, it's in a vision. So it's not exact his, history, it's, it's a vision. And in the vision, we have the book of Daniel to thank for this great traditional image of God the Father with a long white beard. It comes from here, okay? It means nothing about who God the Father is eternally, but a visual that connects us with who he is spiritually. And that vision says he's an old man, but he's not an old man. He's the beginning of time and end of time. He is the beginning and the end. And in my vision, this is Daniel, speaking to us, he says, what I saw was another one person, like the Son of Man, and that's a title you hear a lot in the Scriptures, coming to him, and God the Creator, the Father with the long white beard, is handing his Son of Man, ideal person, that's what that, when we hear that, that's what we got a picture, he's handing him power and glory, and he's handing him the destiny of the church. Now, these guys, Peter, James, and John, took it like, wow. But they were so human in it, which is very important because this is, a, this is God's kiss to humanity, I think, in so many ways. Um, Peter, always the big mouth, 
That's what I identify with Peter so much. Peter says, I'm going to set up three tents. It's only hospitality. I'm going to set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And, you know, we can all socialize and have tea and all or what, what Semitic people drink. And you can just see Jesus said, oh, you silly, silly Peter. Once again, the big mouth falls on his face because out of the, out of the cloud, the voice comes, yo, Peter, James, and John, this is my beloved son. The light goes off. They're shocked. They're confused. They're hearing something that they never could imagine hearing. The voice of God, the Creator. Meeting His Son on a mountain. And whenever you hear mountain in Scripture, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a high mountain. It means a hill. But, but the context when God and a prophet or God and Jesus or somebody meet on the mountain it's, it's a moment of theophany. It's a moment of God re revealing himself. So no matter where it happens, it happened to Moses, it happens here tonight in the scriptures, and we hear it other places. God coming to the mountain. So what happens is, now don't miss the pieces here, the human and the divine comes forward. They're on earth, like the tradition of the, the, his feet, prince, on Mount Tabor. It's a tradition, but it's a concrete tradition to remind us that Jesus actually walked the earth. And these apostles of his remembered that. They knew that. They knew it so well after this transfiguration, I think, is when they determined the direction of their faith. And the determination was that they would die for Jesus. That's how much they believed what was going on in front of them. So what happens is they want to build these tents. They want to build hospitality for Elijah and Moses, great lawgivers. Of course, they know. And somebody asked me, how did Peter know one was Elijah and one was, was uh, Moses? I said, they had name tags. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But he knew that one was the lawgiver, carrying the tablets maybe. One was Elijah, maybe on a red burning chariot, because theologically, the Jews believe Moses gave us the law on Sinai. And who is the law? God. Elijah is the prophet that we prepare for at every Seder, every Passover meal, because Elijah will usher in the Messiah when he returns to earth. So that they're seeing in front of them history and Eschatology, the church would say. History and spiritual life. They're seeing it together. They're seeing in some experience that the lawgiver is with them as lawgiver, but the lawgiver defers to Jesus, who is the new law. And as Elijah stands there, it's a reminder to them and to us who hear it that Elijah will bring the Messiah in at the end of time. So they're caught in a very spiritually uplifting, ecstatic moment. But then the history of it is very important because these two figures, Elijah and Moses, lived. And this shows in their vision, not only that they lived and they had a task and they had a role, but they're with God and temporarily God allows them to be seen and experienced by Peter, James, and John. Now, 
I'm using Peter, James, and John because that's what the scriptures say. But when I say that, think of ourselves. Think of our own names being there. Because that's what this is for. This, this had nothing to do with what Je Jesus didn't need this event. The apostles did. We do. Jesus didn't need another ecstatic experience to reveal who he was. This comes full blast, right in our faces, who he is, the Son of God, my beloved Son. And what's your task? My task is to hear him, to listen to him. And then it continues in the church. And the first letter we read from Peter, it's attributed to Peter, is that this Son, Jesus, received honor, glory from God the Father, and he is the one about whom God the Father said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The whole direction of their ministry at that moment, I think, changes. They're optimistic, because they had a little piece of heaven for a moment. They're probably shaken in their sandals. They don't know what just happened. And what does Jesus do? It's funny. Like, if it happened to you and me, we'd say, call in the St. Petersburg Press or whatever the paper locally is called and say, put it in the news that, that Jesus just transfigured on top of the mountain. Come on, let's all go look at it. No, no, Jesus says, be quiet about it. Don't tell anyone what you just experienced until after the resurrection. We know now what that means, that they needed to hold on to that experience, that ecstatic experience. They needed to hold on to God and continue their lives. Now again, I'm saying Peter, James, and John, who am I talking about? Us. We need to hold on to those God moments in our lives and continue. Continue helping the sick, loving family members who are pains in the neck. We need to, oops, we need to feed the poor. This is the ministry that Jesus is sending them out to, and we've inherited to be Jesus to others, to appreciate the fact that God speaks to you and to me tonight in the gospel. But he speaks to us whenever we pray. But we need a little reinforcement, and we got that tonight. A little reinforcement. This is no ordinary Jew that got hung up on a cross. This is not the local rabbi from Nazareth. This is the Son of God. They weren't there yet at the crucifixion at this point in the Transfiguration story. But you know that after the resurrection, this all came back. And could you imagine Peter, James, and John chatting with each other at, say, the night of the resurrection, okay? Do you remember when he was transfigured? Remember when his, his face got so shiny we were almost blinded? Remember all that? That was a preparation for now, for the resurrection. That was our human preparation, God embracing creation, embracing us in preparation for now, the resurrection that is always with us. Can you mind read Peter, James, and John? And you do it, and I do it, and we do it, we should do it. Why not? Why not put our feet in the place of those three apostles? Why not put ourselves in the presence of Jesus who reveals himself to us, and better yet, to whom God, the Father, reveals himself to us. That's why we're here. Centuries later, we're still doing the same thing. We're still 
listening to the voice of the Father, talking about his own Son, who he hands over to us, and expects us to imitate. That's interesting, because the opposite of what we told that he told Peter, James, and John, he said, be quiet. But at the end, he said, go and tell the world. Go and announce your faith to everyone. And that's where we are. We're in that second phase of the resurrection experience, the phase in which we are being sent out to proclaim our faith, to live our faith. We're not all saints. Maybe there might be one of us in church who's a saint tonight, but maybe not. That's all right. We're not called to be saints. We're called to be imitators of Jesus Christ, better than saints. And you know his reward. Thank you very much. Thorns, swords, whips, lashings. That was his reward for doing the, God, the work of the Father. So don't think you're going to have it easy because we're Christians, because we're Catholics, because we embrace the body of Christ. It's not going to be easy. It's tough going out there and forgiving. It's tough going out there and not being prejudiced. It's tough going out there and not reacting negatively to everything woke in our society. But we are the followers of Jesus Christ. We have strength. You're not going to get rewarded, don't forget. The cross is his reward. The reward is he's with us. This is the day God the Father kisses humanity, embraces humanity, and shows his Son as pure divinity and humanity. It comes together. And that's our Lord. And that's why we're here. Because we believe he hears us in our prayer spiritually. He's with us carrying our yoke physically in our families, where we work, and how we vote.